Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless. How you doing? You still with me this morning? Amen. Great holiday week, huh? I discovered a revelation about myself this week. I discovered that I am a little bit greedy. A little bit greedy. I discovered that when I was at a picnic because I discovered that I want to try everything at the picnic. I know I should probably say, you know, I can have some of that another time, but, but I, in my, my life wants to try everything. The pie, the pudding, the fruit salad, the burgers, the Italian sausage, the arrachetta, the guacamole. Greedy, not greedy in the sense that it will destroy my soul, but definitely greedy in the sense that it will destroy my waistline. And uh, the Bible warns us about greed in 1 Timothy 6. It says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Do you still believe that God blesses people's lives. And this week in my devotions, I was reading in the book Genesis, actually read the book Genesis this week, and as I was reading, kept coming across, it started with one one statement in Genesis 24, verse 1. It said this, Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. What a powerful summary of a life to say that God had blessed Abraham in every way. And of course, if you know about Abraham, he was wealthy, really, beyond compare of people his, his time. I pondered over that a while. Then I looked at his descendants to see how did they fare? How did Abraham's descendants fare after living in the house with this wealthy father? says this about Jacob and in uh, or about Isaac rather in Genesis 26 verse 12 says Isaac planted crops in the land and that same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him the man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he till he became very wealthy that's not too bad either he became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became Very wealthy. That's pretty interesting. The blessing of the Lord was on Abraham. The blessing of the Lord was on Isaac, right? I looked at at Jacob. Jacob Jacob in Genesis 31, Jacob is working in Laban's household, and it, it says this. It says, Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. Jacob, too, prospered because the blessing of the Lord was on him. Then I looked at Joseph. Now Joseph, you know the story of Joseph. He's thrown in prison, you know, all that. 
all the hardship that, that he had. So I thought, well, surely this breaks the chain, right? There's no way this chain can, can continue on. But then I saw this passage of Scripture here in, in Genesis 39, verse 2 and 3. It says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. So even while he was imprisoned, even while he was a slave, even while he was being oppressed, prosperity came through Joseph as well. That's pretty interesting. And as I pondered that, I began to think, does God want me rich? Does God want me rich? Ask yourself the question, does God want you rich? You have to ask yourself that question. If God... Here's my... Here's my... my I guess my sup, supposition. If God only wanted them rich, but He doesn't want me rich, then God plays favoritism. Which we know isn't true because of Romans 2, and Ephesians 6, and Galatians 2, and half a dozen other things that tell us God plays no favoritism. Right? He shows no favor to any man. He does not. So, so as I'm looking at this, I'm saying that there is something in the divine blessing it's there. And so I go back to the guy who's standing at the buffet on the 4th of July wanting everything. And I confess to you that when we're standing at the buffet of the Lord, I want everything the Lord has for me. The fruit salad, the guacamole, I want it all. The pudding, the cake, the pie, I want it all. I want all that the Lord has for me. And so I, I know that's a little complicated way to start a message. And I know it's off-putting because you, you react to that whole idea of wealth and riches because we've been raised in a society that, that, well, these days, eschews wealth until people get it. Then all of a sudden they become heroes. But we hate the rich, but we want to be one of them. You know, when you live in a society like... I can't believe all those wealthy people are wasting all their money. But we'd like to give it a shot too, right? If we had all that money. And so we, and we have people who say to us, good Christians, good pastors who say to us, God doesn't want you wealthy. And uh, I just think that's not scriptural. 2 Corinthians Chapters 8 and 9 talk about finances. And they, they say, there's something very radical that's said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me, let me read this to you. I was going to conclude my message with this passage of Scripture, but I feel the pushback, the resistance to receiving this. So I want you to hear what this is. The Word of God, New Testament Word of God, in case you were concerned that those were Old Testament verses. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor. We like that, right? Jesus became poor, even though He was rich. Then the Scripture finishes this, so that through His poverty, you might become rich. Rich. I don't know what that image, I don't know if that means lifestyles of the rich and fame. I don't know what that Rich means, I don't think it means that, but in chapter 9, verse 10, it says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness, and you will be enriched in every way. You will be enriched in every way. So that, so that, so that there is the purpose clause. So that, you can be generous on every occasion. 
So the richness, riches of the Lord are not necessarily to raise your standard of living, but they're there to raise your standard of giving. Your ability to bless others to be used of them. Used of God in their lives. To be a blessing to their life. If you don't believe that, that it might not be God's will for you to prosper, then blow your boss's mind when they come and say to you, we want to give you a raise. Say, no thanks. No thanks, don't want to raise. Anybody here crazy enough to even consider turning down a raise? The Lord maybe wants me poor. I'm learning humility through my poverty. So God wants to, you know, God wants to. No, we assume, we just say, we assume that's, you know, we're going to give you 50 cents more an hour. Thank you, Jesus. We just assume that's the Lord, right? Right? Nobody goes, it might be the devil. The devil may be trying to make me rich and woo me away from the kingdom of God. No, so, so we, we have to be consistent in our understanding, we have to be biblical in our understanding of where prosperity comes from. I believe that God blesses His children. And sometimes with finances. Sometimes He does bless with finances. I believe, in fact, I believe that if Jesus left His riches to become poor so that through His poverty I might also become rich, that there's something for me to, to learn in that. Uh, Carnegie said that if you leave all this wealth to your children, you put a curse on them. Right? So if you're wealthy beyond understanding, don't curse your children. Just give all your money to the church. Just kidding. There is a curse to, there is something hard about managing millions and millions of dollars. Not that I would know, but there is a curse to it. Because you have to make sure you don't screw it up. You know, now I am not a master investor. But I bought some Boeing stock. I paid almost $400 a share for this Boeing stock. This is money that we're going to we're going to uh, retire with someday. But not someday soon. Because on the day that I bought the Boeing stock, a Boeing plane fell out of the sky. <laughs> and killed hundreds of people. And as all those people were dying, so were my hopes of any retirement in any near future with that stock. And I... And then... You know, so you have to. It's if you if I had millions of dollars, I can only imagine that my wife would have to come get me off the window ledge if that happened. Unfortunately, I don't have that much money, so I just invested a couple thousand dollars and I lost a couple thousand dollars. But but if imagine that, I, I would be on the window ledge. She'd say, "Come down, don't jump." You know, it's not that bad. If you have a if you have millions of dollars, it's an occupation in itself almost to to keep that millions of dollars growing. Even with the, even with the 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 idea of of uh, you know interest and all that stuff going on, so if God desires to bless His children, I'm not saying that's why you would follow Jesus. Don't follow Jesus for the for that blessing. Follow Jesus because He's the Lord and He commands you to follow Him. But don't follow Jesus for that blessing. Follow, but but. Still, there's still blessing in following Jesus, right? Like, show me the verse where the disciples worried about what they were going to eat. There isn't one. In fact, Matthew 6, he tells them, do not worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Don't worry about any of that stuff. God's covering that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all in his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, right? So, so there's, all, there's all these scriptures where Jesus is talking about money, cash, riches. Uh, he uses the terms riches and poverty and all these, all these things. He's speaking to us in terms of wealth and we're afraid of it. Now, I understand we're afraid of that because we're afraid the pastor's going to 
get rich and drive a big long Cadillac and, 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 and shame God by buying his own private jet and all this kind of stuff. That's not the kind of wealth I'm talking about. I'm talking about not having to worry about your bills. Right? How many, let's, be, let's have a moment of honesty here. How many of you this week were concerned about a bill? Lift your hand. Yeah, look at that. God doesn't want you to be stressed about that. That cannot be... How can you concentrate on the kingdoms, kingdom of heaven if the kingdom of earth is swallowing you whole? Right? And aren't we shorting ourselves from the blessing of God if we say, if we immediately say, God wants this stress in my life? Right? If we own that stress, say that's God's stress. God, now I, hey, I, God can use anything. He used a jackass, so he can use anything or anybody to make you a better person. But I'm saying, if we understand that God blessed Abraham, and then God blessed Isaac, and then God blessed Jacob, and then even though Joseph was in prison, God blessed Joseph. And God did pretty good with David and Solomon. He did pretty good with those guys. He did pretty good with... with and, and, and so God blessed those people. That's the, that's, there's a sign of blessing on their life. And all I'm saying then, if God... Is, is God still the God who blesses? Is he still in the blessing business? You have to ask yourself that. Some people in this building, in this room right now say, God doesn't bless me. It's all about hard work. And you've determined that it's all about hard work. Some people in this place today don't recognize spiritual giving principles. The only way... Chris Valentin in, in his book writes about why does God have all the whole thing start with giving? All the blessing of God starts with giving. Why? You know why? Because if it started with you receiving, then someone else would be in charge of you being blessed. But since it starts with giving, it's completely within your capacity to start that growth process. Start slow. Start small. But it starts. And it starts when you start it. Right? A zillion scriptures. Let, let me read a few to you. First thing, you know, if I, if I want to come under the Lord's blessing financially, just about finances. Oh, there's nothing spiritual about finances. That's a lie. Of course there's something spiritual about finances. We don't want to, we don't want to surrender control. We, when, we get, when we get baptized, nobody brings their wallet in the tank. Why? Because if your wallet's baptized, then that becomes Jesus's too. So we leave that aside. We, we don't want spirituality and money to, to rub shoulders. We do it kind of sneaky. Well, we're going to pass the basket. Don't look. You know, just put something in there. And, you know, and it, whenever we take an offering, there's always somebody who grabs an envelope, empty envelope, licks it, puts it in there. So it looks to everyone else like they're giving. That costs the church a penny. You just cost me a penny so that other people around you could look at you so that people would think that you're generous. And that actually makes me sad because that means you know you should be generous. But you're faking it. But it's not... See, money and spirituality go together. Jesus said to his disciples, give to those who ask you. That's money. Right? Give to those who ask you. When you're going to love someone, you want to help them. When you help someone, it costs you money. Oh, sometimes it costs you sweat, sometimes it costs you time, but it costs you money. 
we have become so spiritual that we've divorced our money from our spirituality. Let me ask you this question. Another clarity. How many look at your life where you are right now? Raise your hand. If you, if, it, if you look at your life right now and you say, I am so much more blessed than before when, when, when I didn't know the Lord. Raise your hand. If, look! Look! But we're too darn spiritual to have our spirituality and our money bump shoulders. Why? Why? I was a destitute drug addict when I came to Jesus. I was a pile of nothing when I came to Jesus. So, the, the God would use us, could, could bless us, not so we could consume it upon ourselves, not just so we can bless ourselves, but you're in there. You're in there. When you're working in the Lord's field, you get to sample the things you're working in, right? If you're the pastor of the church, occasionally, as an act of fellowship, we have a potluck, right? And we bring food in, right? And I get to eat. That's a perk. I don't go, oh no, none for me. No, when God has us working in different areas, we get to, we get to, when you take someone out to eat, to counsel them, don't you eat too? Yeah, it was the right thing to do, right? Take somebody out to Bona and you're going to have, give them a beef sandwich and you're going to sit there and go, no, none for me. No, you're going to eat a beef sandwich. In fact, as you're loving on them and giving them good counsel and blessing them and buying them lunch, you may not even recognize it as real ministry. You know how many people come up to me and say, man, because you took time with me 10 years ago, my life has turned around. Really? What did we do? Well, we went out for a beef sandwich. You know what I called that? Lunch. For me, it was lunch. For them, it turned into some life transformation because ministry happened and it cost me money. But it's okay. Because that's why God blesses us so that we can bless more into the kingdom. Okay, let me. What do I have to do to get the Lord's blessing? Number one, bring my life underneath the Lord's command. Proverbs 10 says this The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Hmm. Proverbs 10 22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Matthew 6, verse 20. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin and destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do destroy, or do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. I want you to, if, you're, if you'd look at that verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Right? So if I had a, a, a Bible like this, I would underline... Do not store up for yourself. The word yourself. Do not store up for yourself on earth, right? But then he says, store up for yourself in heaven. We kind of assume that heaven works a lot like the church. You put your money in the basket, and then somewhere along the line it loses any resemblance of being yours, and it's all thrown into one big... Uh, pot somewhere, or in our case, a medium-sized pot, and then it, it's, it's, put, it's put into the bank, and it, it's not yours anymore. But that's not true. You're storing up for yourself. Yourself. Store up for yourself in heaven. Why does Jesus say that? Because every gift that you give into the kingdom has your fingerprint on it. God knows everything you've invested. He has to. Why? Because that's how you reap. According to how you sow. So in heaven, up in some big room up there, there's accountants going through the offerings of the thousands and thousands of churches this morning, and they're going through and they're putting things to your account. And when it's when you walk in there and they, you're going to see your name, Dave Tinberg, 
and your account is there. Now, the heavenly accounting is a little different. The widow, whose name we don't know, but gave in all that she had, two little coins. Her account is chock full. That's what Jesus said, right? Her account is, she's giving, but she's giving with the idea that this is going to, to the Lord. She's giving to the Lord. I love you so much. We sang that song today. Uh, uh, I can't remember the exact words, but something about uh, what have I done to deserve a love like yours? Man, that's an empty wallet. We should do sing that during the offering. What have I done? Well, it's like throw your wallet in the basket and give it all to Jesus because you did nothing to earn His love and He loved you so extravagantly has blessed your life. You all testified. He's blessed my life. I'm way better off than I was before I knew Jesus. Almost everybody in here raised their hand. So your testimony is, God blessed me with it. So, so, so we could, we could just, just say, God, I'll give you everything, God. We sang another song. None of this coordinated except maybe by the Holy Spirit. Here I am, Lord. Take me as an offering. Take me. Everything. Now, he's not just talking... You know, God isn't just taking your cable bill and your electric bill. He's taking everything. Your total, sum total of who you are. What a genius plan heaven had to make you an agent of His blessing when you came into the kingdom. I'm going to love this one so much that I'll save their soul. And they'll say, Lord, I'll give you anything. And he says, okay, I'm going to come back to you someday. And I'm going to say, I want you to give a bunch to that person over there. I want you to help that person move. I want you to bless this person and love them. We don't think of ourselves. We think of ourselves as tipping God. Here you go, God. Here's a little something, something for you. Just to say it's been a good week. And I've been blessed. So here, here's something. As if it's completely divorced for us. But Jesus told us that it's, it's for us. It's for our heavenly account. Man, you feel the resistance there? I, I feel the resistance. It's like, I, I want to believe what you're saying, Pastor. I see that in the Word there. But I don't know if I should believe it. I feel like you're going to hit me up for a big offering. No offering. No offering coming after this. Relax. I don't have, you know, vacation property that I need to pay off. The, the, the coffers of the church aren't so desperate that I'm preaching on money. I just, this is what the Lord showed me. I'm the God who made Abraham rich, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. I'm still the God of blessing. I have more for you than you can imagine. Beyond all you could ask or think, right? That's a New Testament verse there. So we have, to, we have to not get caught up. Somebody else's abuse of Scripture should not limit us. Yesterday I was at a kid's birthday party. And a, a, a man said to me, man, I love playing with kids. But I know that's weird in our society. Why did that become weird in our society? Because, because somebody abused the privilege of playing with kids. So now whenever we bend over and play with kids, people think we're a weirdo. Right? The same, we do the same thing with somebody who abuses a Scripture. Now that Scripture is abused. Oh, they just want to get rich. Yes. I do. Not off of you. Off of Him. I'm going to be rich in the Lord so I can bless other people and help them and give to them. I just want to be a conduit for God's blessing. You don't like the term rich. I get it. But it's a Bible term. He became poor so that you might become middle class. No! That's not what it says. I'm sorry, that's not... Well, it's not really talking about money there. 
That's true. It is talking about money. Right before that, he says, as you sow, you'll reap. He says, I want you to excel in the grace of giving. It's all about money. Two whole chapters right there. All about money. But the whole point of it is not the money. It's not about the money. It's about your vision of God. I mean, are we coming to church and going, well, I guess we survived this week, you know, so I'll throw a little in the basket to thank God for having made it through the, through the, the week and just recognize this week, if I'm lucky, is going to be just like last week. Or am I coming to the God who has blessing for me? Who's going to see every act of service that I do? Who's going to see every gift that I give? Who's going to recognize that and put that to my account somewhere? And who's going to bless me? Because, you see, the, we say it at every funeral. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. When we say that as believers, we are so attaching ourselves to who God is that we're saying, if you see any lack in me, it's because my shepherd is deficient. The Lord is my shepherd, as one version says, I shall lack no good thing. So if, if I'm so... This is what... The first thing I need to do to get my finances in order, and I don't have a watch, so we're really in trouble today. The first thing that we need to do is bring our lives and attach it so much to Jesus. Put Jesus first. To so attach ourselves to Jesus that people recognize. That's the deal with Abraham. He was God's man. Isaac was God's man. Jacob was God's man. Joseph was God's man. They were possessions of the Lord Almighty. If you're the possession of the Lord Almighty, then you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack no good. You, you have to be known. Your blessing in life. Now, blessings come small, little at a time. We're tested with some of them. We're, we're challenged with some of them. All that stuff, I get that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're going to get a download of supernatural cash set into your, into your account automatically. Although we're open to that, right? But so, so what I'm saying is that God, recognize God as your source. Recognize that this, He's my Lord. Whirlpool or whoever you work for is not your source. Whoever you work for is not your source. You were looking for a job when you got this one, you'll be looking for one when you leave. That's the bottom line, right? You say, well, I like my job. I'm not saying you have to leave. I'm saying that, that you're not dependent on, upon those people because God is bigger than you. He can open doors. He can open fabulous doors. Look, I've seen Him open doors for people who were criminals. Who got fired from their job because they were, they were stealing money from that job. And some other place hired that guy. Why? Why would you hire a crook? Why would you hire a guy who got fired? But, but that's the way of the world. They're short on workers out there. Good news for you workers. He, he, they're short on workers, so they're desperate to take anybody around. Well, if that's how things work for the unrighteous, how about the guy who's righteous, who loves God, and loves people, and is, takes his job seriously, and shows up on time, and is pleasant, and doesn't complain all the time, and, does, and, and that, that guy is going to find a raise. Right? A blessing. Maybe some... You know, this is how I came to know Christ. I, I didn't realize it until this week. I came to know Christ. I got a job. I was working in the job. One of my guys drove a forklift through a window. It's a bad thing. Drove it through the window. And we had to have a glass company come out. The glass company came out and said, what do you do here? I said, I run the hardware department. And, oh, you cut glass? I said, yeah, we fix windows. Oh, you're looking for a job? Man, I am so glad that employee drove the forklift through the front window of that place. Because that guy's screw-up got me my next job, which was a significant increase and taught me skills that I use every workday around the church. God set me up. And then one day I was uh, 
Uh, I quit that job to go to Bible college, and then I, I called the Bible college, and they said, well, we started two weeks ago, so you quit your job too late, you know, so whatever. So I went to the church, and I went to the workday, and then I, I was painting at the workday, and some guy goes, hey, you're a good painter. You want a job? And I'd never painted before. I said, sure, and I learned how to paint. And I'm so glad nobody else showed up to paint that day at the workday because I got that job. And that guy became my friend. And then when I went to school, I painted my way and wallpapered my way through there. And then I opened a painting business when I came back here to start a church. Opened a painting business here. And that gave me connections with different people within... And it's how God works. To say, well, I don't see God in any of it because it had to do with money is foolish. So we have to recognize this is who we are. Don't just say, this is it. Where I'm at is where I'm at. God has more. All these things will be given to you. That's what he said. Matthew 6. Read it again. It's the first thing. Get so close to Jesus. What did I, how did I write it? I wrote, live under divine priority. Just as we sang again today, His Word is a firm foundation. Just live under divine... You said to do it, I'll do it. You said give my cloak to someone, I'll give my cloak to someone. You said bless this one, I'll bless that one. You said uh, love on people, I'm going to love on people. You said to do this, I'm going to live under your priority. You said you're my shepherd. And I want to say, I lack no good thing. I testify to you today, I lack no good thing. There is nothing that I need. I don't... I would never preach this right before my birthday because I don't want my kids to know this, but there is really nothing that I need. I don't need, really, I, I have underwear and socks, I have pants, I have a house, I have air conditioning, thank you Jesus for Mr. Carrier who invented that, and I, all these things, I have. I don't really need anything. In fact, there are times when I walk down, I don't, I don't feel worthy of the stuff I do have. I feel guilty that I have stuff that I don't use. That's nice stuff that I should give to somebody else. I just don't know who to give it. I trip over it in my garage. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'll give it to you. Right. You got to move it. No, I, I want it gone. No, this, the idea is we're just blessed. God blesses us. Okay, real quick. Second thing: invest in kingdom business. Living as a generous person is an investment in kingdom business. Luke chapter six, verse thirty-eight: Give, and it shall be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So give in a, in a generous capacity. Live generously as a generous person. No one should ever say to you who are the recipient of God's grace that you are cheap. Or that you are tight. No one should ever say that about you. Why? Because you know where the blessings come from. The other people don't understand, but you know you have a God who provides for you. Aim your heart. Fix your eyes on the things above. The Scripture tells us that your heart goes to where your treasure is. That's, I, didn't say, I didn't say that your treasure goes to where your heart is. It's the opposite of that. Whatever you have invested in, there your heart will be. Why? Because you're watching your investment. This is why when people tell me, don't worry, Pastor, when I die, I'm going to leave the church a lot of money. Well, you're dumb. Because you have no idea how we'll spend that. And you won't even be able to object. Because you're not here. If you give a little every week now, and we start screwing up and investing in the wrong things, you can say, hey, I'm against that. But once you're dead, we can spend it any way we want. The Tinberg Fund for a Better World. Your heart follows your treasure. So wherever you invest, your heart goes there. And so God wants you to, to do that. You have to invest 
You say, well, Pastor, I kind of know this. Do you? Show me your checkbook. Because if your checkbook looks anything like mine, or your bank statement looks anything like mine, I, my heart must be at White Castle, at Burger King, at McDonald's, at Taco Bell, at all these places, because I spend an exorbitant amount of money eating in those places. And I complain about that food the whole time I'm eating it. The entire time. Like, man, this hamburger from McDonald's always smells so good and always tastes so bad. Why do I come back here? But I have invested treasure there, and evidently my heart just keeps taking me back there. Your investment, we talked about, is not just a gift to someone else. Your investment is, is for you, for you etern eternally. And it's a way to honor God. Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Oh, he wasn't really talking about you know, crops and wine there. Well, of course he was. He was saying if you honor, if you honor God with your wealth, with the, things, with the stuff that you have, God will bless you with more. That's... I'm going for the shock and awe thing with Scripture here today, just so you know. I just want you to be so bombarded with Scripture that says God wants to bless you that maybe one or two people will go, hmm, maybe God does want to bless me. Since it says it in nearly every book of the Bible, since it's the testimony of nearly every servant of God that God has blessed them in some way or the other, I, I'm hoping to change your mind so that you'll, instead of saying, well, I hope the government can take care of me later on in my life. But you'll say, I'm going to trust the Lord. I look to the hills with my eyes from whence my help cometh. Right? Third thing you need to do, work hard. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler. Yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. If we don't work hard, then we aren't going to be able to put ourselves in a place where that blessing can flow through us. That also means I have to avoid addictions and excuses and crazy spending habits and shopaholism and all this other kind of stuff that takes the blessing that God provides for me and then spends it on a bunch of junk that I don't need. Whoever loves pleasure, it says in Proverbs 21, verse 17, will become poor. Whoever loves pleasure will become poor. That means there has to be a little bit of restraint, a little bit of hard work, a little bit of forethought, a little bit of stashing. Remember, the abundant life that God promises us is contrary to the devil's constant rip-off scheme. John 10.10. 10. Steal, kill, destroy abundant life. Fourth thing, save. Stash money away consistently, all the time. Keep stashing it away. For one, you'll be the giver when someone has a need. For another, you'll have something to leave to your children or your children's children. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. If we, Proverbs 13 is great on finances, by the way. So if you just recognize that Saving is little by little by little. You know, compound interest and all that kind of stuff is fascinating, but just stash money away. You say, I don't have enough. Everyone has enough to start saving. No, you don't know. Though you may have to adjust your lifestyle, right? Okay, so that's it. Those are the four things that you have to do to bring yourself save, right? Work hard, right? It's pretty easy, right? 
Give generously. Live and, and identify yourself as a follower of Christ in everything that you do. And then you're so attacked that you'll, you'll, you'll be blessed. Now, I'm not saying God is a get-rich scheme. He wants to deliver us from get-rich schemes. He wants to show you that little by little, so we can replace the lust for more with a lifestyle of faithfulness if we just trust in the Lord. We won't be desperate for someone else to fix us up. Oh, come send me some money, Mr. Government Man. Talk to somebody who's on Social Security. Ask them how much their last raise was. It wasn't that long ago. They'll remember. It was $5, $10 for the month. Maybe 40 Maybe $40 for the month. But you're on a fixed income waiting for someone else. Asking for someone else to send it to you. I don't want to be the tail. I want to be the head. You understand what I'm saying? I, I, I understand everybody goes through tough times. And maybe where you're at, you need a miracle to get started again. But you need to budget your money. You need to live off of 80% of what you take in. Just give 10 to the Lord, 10% to, to your savings account. You need to live like that. You say, oh, pastor, you're so old-fashioned. No. That's biblical. Just live off of 80%. Man, I wish somebody would have grabbed me by the collar and choked me this into me when I was first a Christian. Because this is, no one's going to say, oh man, what a great sermon pastor. And I thought about that. No one's going to say what a great sermon pastor when I preach this. What I want you to say is not great sermon, but great God. A great God who provides. Who keeps lifting my standard of giving through my life. Providing more so I can... I don't need more. God wants to bless our lives. That's what the Lord pressed upon me as I was reading the Scripture this week. He's still the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. When we declare Him that, that means He's also the God who provided for them and gave them wealth so that they could honor God with their wealth so that God could give them more wealth so they could honor God with the more wealth so that they could they could receive more and it's a cycle that's established in the first giving i read a a book where they talked about what td jakes took a bag full of dimes and threw them out to the congregation. I'm too cheap to do that, but imagine I'm throwing you a dime. That dime is 10% of a dollar. Put the dime in your pocket and you got 10 cents. Invest the dime in the kingdom and you got a dollar. It's the way it works. I wish I could say, no, that's all hokum, no... Nobody believes that, but that's exactly how it works. So I promise you we're not taking an offering, so there's no opportunity for you to practice this today. So all I can say to you is you need to go think about who you're really trusting. I'm going to tell you, you can trust your back, but backs give out. And when your back gives out, sometimes you find you have to trust the Lord. So when, when it, what we're trying to do is understand who God is. What I, my opinions on your finances are worthless. But God's, the picture you have when you close your eyes and pray to God, you say, Lord and Father, if you recognize Him, as the one who's the provider of every need that you have in your life, you will be changed forever. Because He will demonstrate His great love and mercy in your life. It'll change your life. It'll wreck everything else, but it'll change your life. So, 
bow your head with me. If you are in a place where you're like, I don't know if I'll ever get my finances together. I need a miracle. I'm going to pray right now that God would lift you out of that place by some divine act. A check or a bunch of cash that come to you that, you, that will help you to get to the place where you can, you can level out your finances and start fresh again. Remember, it's in your hand to give. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you are blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag.org.